If we want to list every way Spreaker can help podcast publishers, well, we need a podcast of our own. Whether you're in charge of long-running series with extensive backlogs or countless limited series, you can organize and monetize your entire catalog with Spreaker. With Spreaker's customizable publisher plan, you can add collaborators, analyze extensive listener analytics, and even share exclusive content through custom RSS feeds. And that's just for starters. Head to Spreaker.com to learn more. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com. Welcome to the Poetry on Firefall Talk Radio. I'm Richard Grund. This is where we get back to basics. If you haven't figured that out yet, red letter basics. We don't pull any punches. We don't water it down. We don't filter it. It is what it is. The, the uncompromised, unaltered Word of God. Poetry Online Bible Study was created to discover how the early church served the Lord and to replicate what they did. Not their mistakes, but to take that world-shaking influence, reapply it, and go do what we were called to do. We dig deeper into Scripture. We follow the red-letter basics. We look deep into what the Hebrew and the Greek is. We try to get to the heart of the matter. And the heart of the matter is getting people saved, healed, and delivered. That's the church he intended, not the one man created. I believe the church age is still in effect, day of Pentecost is ongoing. The fire still falls. The porch is an outreach of Solomon's Porch, Inc. Go to onsolomonsporch.org if you need to contact us there, or you can go to firefalltalkradio.com. Use the contact button. Make sure you bookmark the Spreaker site. Um, Sometime between now and the end of the year, the Blog Talk site is going to go. They um, gave me a deal to stay, being that they own Spreaker, and now I have accounts both places. And they offered me a really good rate and then never honored it. So really don't see much in doing business with them anymore. But if you subscribe to the Spreaker site, wherever you listen to us on Spreaker, iTunes, or Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, you'll hear us. But pretty soon you won't hear us on Blog Talk. Three days away from meeting in Orlando. First meeting we have here, and, and if the Lord so leads, it might become a yearly event. But let's just get through this one. Saturday, July 27th. If you're coming into town and you're staying over, coming on Friday. You have Friday, Saturday morning, and Sunday to play, but spend Saturday afternoon with me. First session goes from 2 to 5, doors open about 1.30. Second session, doors open 6.30, go 7 to 10, and the last hour of both sessions is for ministry, for prayer, and for questions. We are at the Rosen Inn, Point Orlando, 9000 International Drive, Orlando, Florida, 32819. And when you get there, if you're not staying at the hotel, you have to park for the conference. Tell the guard at the gate you are attending the C-Conference in the Magnolia Room. And make sure you park with a 
direct you to park. You don't want to come out and have your car towed away. More information is at firefallmediagroup.com, facebook.com, forward slash firefallmediagroup. You can email us at firefallmediagroup at gmail.com. Let us know that you're coming. And if you're not coming, for whatever reason, I don't understand what that would be, make sure you pray for the event, pray during that day, and pray for those that are traveling and attending. I follow Open Doors USA on social media. They deal with persecution. I posted a story the other day that really gives the signs of the times a proper perspective. It says that terror cells across the Middle East are harnessing the power of social media to falsely implicate Christians in blasphemy cases by fraudulent posts. These people get attacked, their homes and lives are destroyed, they are falsely arrested for blasphemy, and then they have to defend themselves in a biased court. And this is a tool that the enemy is now using to persecute Christians in the Middle East. So we need to stay awake, and we need to stay prayed up, especially for them. Well, I praise the Lord first, and that we always start with praise. You don't go into his presence whining and asking for things. We enter into his courts with thanksgiving, with praise, and that's how we do it here on the porch. I praise him for my home, for my lovely wife, that many of you will finally get to meet this Saturday. Um, For my son's daughter-in-law, especially my grandson. I love that little boy. For our furry kids and all the possessions, everything the Lord has given us, all this technology, the things he's allowed me to use for his kingdom. I praise him for his protection, that Psalm 91 covering that's always in effect. I praise him for letting me work his ministry and for the dreams and the visions and all the things he's been sharing lately, for the fact that his healing virtues are still available to us, that we can praise him even in the midst of the storm, even when things don't seem right, we have the strength and the ability to praise him. Like being a new creation, like living in these prophetic times, praise him, praise him for America. Yeah, we have problems. But we have freedom of religion, and we're allowed to do this freely. Praising him for the signs that he's getting ready to come back. Boy, am I excited about that. So let's get ready. I praise him for being a part of that, for the favor, and for everything that he's been doing to allow us to work with him. Which means now we've got to pray. We've got to pray for the Middle East, for Israel, for the peace of Jerusalem, for the return of the Prince of Peace for our Jewish brothers and sisters to become completed in Hamashiach. You know, they don't become Christians. They become completed Jews. And they do that by receiving Yeshua as Messiah. I pray for the fatherless and the widows, the innocents, the victims of injustice in and out of the womb. For, like I said before, our brothers and sisters around the world being slaughtered, persecuted for their faith. Some of it's even happening here in America. It's building up. I pray for our Jewish brothers and sisters and against the anti-Semitism that has come back to life. And I pray for those that have been victimized by the evil, satanic, sex-trafficking trade. Let's pray for divine wholeness, health, and healing. Let's get back to our divine design. I'm going to be sharing some stuff on Saturday, some new things on that. Healing for all of us right now that are struggling with Uh, the sickness of this fallen world. I'm getting over that respiratory crud, but I've been following it in the news, and some people are winding up in the hospital with pneumonia. So 
Don't take it lightly, but continue to believe that he is a God who heals. I pray for inspiration for now, for this weekend, for all of us. And I pray that the remnant would wake up. I know I say this every week, but I believe it, I believe it, I believe it. You've got to rise up. You've got to answer the call to action. If you've been blessed, be a blessing. Pray for others who've been blessed to be a blessing. The porch needs it. Firefall needs it. SRT needs it. And that we can go out and do what he's called us to do, that the open conduits of blessings would allow us to flow. Continue to pray for my wife's healing, restoration, and favor in a legal matter that we have. Remember to pray for Stacy in Texas. Her family's going through some stuff right now, so they need your intercession. Pray for Kim in Fort Mitchell because she forgot it was Wednesday. So pray for her memory. She's got a lot on her plate, and I get it. And uh, just pray for her. Remember to pray for her. When I bring up people's names, as you go about your week, I pray that the Spirit would remind you of them and their needs. Father, we just come to you now in the name of Yeshua, the name above all names, the only name that matters, the only name that saves, that at the name of Yeshua, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess and proclaim that Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, is Adonai, he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We thank you that we are yours, that you bought us with the price. We belong to you. You have reconciled us to our Father. You have allowed us to sit with you in the heavenly places. You've chosen us to work with you in the family business. We thank you. We thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that you sent back to walk with us and to encourage us and guide us in the fire that comes with it. Father, we just thank you right now for Yeshua, that you asked him to die for us, that you sacrificed your only begotten Son on a cross for our sins, that without the shedding of blood there is no remission of sins, and you chose the best of all to sacrifice, the Lamb of God. And we are eternally, literally eternally grateful. So, Lord, bless this time, bless the technology Bless the message and let everyone have ears to hear and a heart to receive. And I just pray this in Yeshua's name. Amen. These lessons are proprietary information, except where noted the information comes from outside sources. The combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. My apologies for coughing into the microphone. The tickle hit me before I could hit the mute button, so again, my apologies. First Peter 3.15 but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Be ready to explain why you have hope. 
Don't be arrogant about it. Don't be hurtful. Don't be rude. But just tell them the truth in love. And you see, that command to be ready to be able to explain why we have our hope in Messiah is another proof that sanctification means that we must separate from the profane to a sacred purpose. Your life is no longer yours. He paid for it. You may think you have free will, but when you say, Yeshua, you are Lord of my life, I give my life up to you, he can do what he wants with it. And when things are bad and when things are dark, people want to have hope. Everyone wants to be hopeful. No one wants to be hopeless or helpless. And that's where we come in. And I know many of you are going through tough times. We live in a fallen world. That's part of the equation. I know that's not very comforting and that can sound trite. But that's just the way it is. It's no less tough for us than it was for the disciples. And no more so either. We need to hold on to our hope. We need to keep our eyes up on him. We can never get complacent. We can never get, you know, casual about it. Well, I've done the best that I can do. I can't do any more. You can always do more. You can always try harder. You can always pray harder. If we become complacent and accept the condition of our life is the way it's supposed to be, and I can't do anything more about it, then the enemy has won. That's not us. That's not believers in Messiah. That's not somebody who's born again. If you're born again, no matter how bad it is, it's going to be better. Psalm 119.74, Those who fear you will be glad when they see me, because I have hoped in your word. Jeremiah seventeen seven. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, and in whose hope is the Lord. When it gets dark, people want to know that there is or that there will be light. Nobody wants to sit in darkness. Isaiah 9, 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who have dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. If you've ever been in a power outage, especially at night, and it is pitch dark, and then suddenly the lights come on, what a joy, what a, a feeling that happens. And that's where we come in. We have been called to be a light of the, to the world. Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16, you are a light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You are the light of the world. Stop expecting somebody else to do it. Stop expecting the Lord to do it. I hear people and I see stuff on social media. The Lord will take it all. The Lord will do this. The Lord will do that. You know, that's in in the New Testament, we're called to do it. He did it all on the cross so that we could all do it here and now in the natural for him. We are called to be as he was. 
He didn't walk around whining and complaining and, oh, woe is me. Guys, do you realize what I got to do this coming Passover? Oh, my goodness. Now, he had his moment in the garden, but then he immediately said, not my will, but your will be done. And and I'm not talking about like the, the light of Genesis where the Lord said, let there be light. And then he created the, the, the sun to rule the day. And I mean, I mean all of that stuff, well, we're going to talk about that, but from a different perspective on Saturday. I'm talking about a spiritual light. I'm talking about a concept of light and darkness from a spiritual perspective. And I'm going to make it easy for you. I'm going to give you some relief on the burden. You don't have to light all the world. You just have to light your part. See, I I just made it easier. You don't have to light all the world. You just have to light your part. And if that's not the best argument, that being a believer and a follower of Yeshua, of Jesus of Nazareth, means that our life must be consistent with him and his teachings. There is no argument against the silent eloquence of holiness. Yeah, I said it, holiness. Everybody wants to talk about grace, and grace is amazing. His grace is still amazing. But we must still strive for his perfection. And we are transformed, glory to glory. The more you stay in his presence, the more his glory shines upon you, the more that you're changed, the more the aspects of your life come into submission and the things change. Maturity, you mature spiritually. But you know, a a lighthouse with no light in it is just as dangerous as no lighthouse at all because people will look to that lighthouse for help and there is none, and they'll crash into the rocks. Our witness, our shining into this world in whatever capacity we shine is convincing whether you believe that or not. And the greatest thing about us is often the unconscious influence that we have on others. When you hear that people have watched your walk or watched your witness or watch how you've handled certain situations and been touched or changed by it. There's a scripture in 2 Corinthians. I've, I've read it a lot. I've dwelled on it lately. It seems to resonate more. 2 Corinthians 4, starting verse 7. But we have this treasure, this salvation, this grace, this Holy Spirit, the, 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 the light that he's given us. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God, not us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of Adonai Yeshua, the Lord Jesus and that the life of Yeshua may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Yeshua's sake, and that the life of Yeshua may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. That word manifest means to be brilliantly seen. 
we we accomplish more by the radiation of of the Holy Spirit of the Lord through us than any verbal exhortations. I'm more impressed by people that walk the walk than those that just talk the talk. I've met a lot of those. I've met a lot of people who thought they were something. They were nothing to me. See, that's what the light of the Lord does for us when he enters our hearts. We become bright. We become luminous. You know, like Liberace with the sequin robes. and I mean, we shine. The, the light of the Lord hits you and you just shine. Maybe not Liberace. Maybe that was a bad example. I couldn't. That was what came to mind. I'm showing my age. But we we have been called by the, our Heavenly Father, by the Lord, to take this light and let it shine and shed it abroad. And, and that means that we have to be filled by the Holy Spirit, which means we must be born again. We must be born from above. Talking to Shelley about Pastor Shelley about that today about the concept of being born again when he first went to seminary and and uh, began preaching and over the early years of his ministry everybody wants to know Are you born again and they always talked about it he goes now you you don't hear anybody talking about it I said, well I do people that listen to the porch know I talk about it you must be born again I say it in the seminars you must be born again you must be born from above. Because we have made a choice. We've made a choice to live in the light. John 3, verses 20 through 21. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. I believe that if you know the Lord, if you know Yeshua, if Jesus is Lord of your life, if you love him, if you have an ongoing active relationship with him, you can't help but shine. Have you have you ever seen somebody and knew that they were in love? That's how we should appear because of our love of the Lord. In the beginning was the word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. And God created everything through him. And nothing was created except through him. And the Word, this living Word, gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to man, to everyone. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it, can't comprehend it, can't do anything about it. So God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light, so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light, he was simply a witness to tell about it. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. That's John 1, 1 through 9. The whole thing was about exposing the darkness. Because darkness signifies sin. Darkness signifies judgment. 
and the judgment is based on this. And I know I know people personally that have a problem with what I'm about to say. Judgment is based on this fact that God's light came into the world, but people loved darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. And they hated the light because they didn't want their sins to be exposed. But those of us who do what's right do it in the light and so that they're seen being done by, by, by us for God. I get it. Eternal judgment, eternal damnation, that's a tough concept, especially when you're thinking about people that you love and you care about. But the word is the word. The Lord said it, I believe it. The Father said it, I believe it. It's written from Genesis to Revelation that there will be a judgment. But in the New Covenant, we got a clarity. And the clarity was this. He does not choose our eternal destination. We do. How much more important is our ability to shine the light into the darkness knowing that we could help somebody from making that choice, that we could share the gospel with them. We could let them know there's going to be a price for your choices. I'd love to tell you that there's not, but there is. People are going to perish. People you care about are going to perish. People that you love are going to perish. People that you are very close to who have refused to heed the warning and rejected Yeshua as Messiah are going to perish. And there's nothing you can do about it except tell them the truth now while there's still time. Tell them the the reason why you have hope. Offer them hope. See, that gets us back to where we started, to give a defense of the hope that you have. It's difficult for people that have been corrupted by the world, perverted by sin, the practice of sin, the the refusal of salvation, the acceptance of false messages and false teachings and that the ways of the world are okay. I see it on social media all the time and it becomes frustrating and I would almost not be a part of social media, but then I can't put my head in the sand and I can't close myself up in the darkness. I got to stay out there. I got to close. If I close my heart to the lost and the dying that I failed and the enemy has won. But I see it. I see how man loves darkness, that they prefer sin to holiness, that they prefer Hasatan, the enemy, Belial, to Messiah. They prefer hell to heaven. The Jewish writers use that word darkness, Koshek, For the angel of death, for the devil, he is the epitome of darkness. He is the epitome of evil. And so are all the fallen angels that fell with him, all the fallen watchers that are in the pit, all those demonic offspring. They are beyond redemption. They are reprobate. And you know when it says because their deeds were evil... It's an allusion to the robbers and the cutthroats of the day who practiced their crimes and their atrocities at night for fear of being seen, for fear of being caught. So let your light shine. Make your prayers 
filled with light. Pray for every hidden thing to be revealed, that everything be brought out into the light, that it would shine into all the dark corners and all the dark places and set the captives free. You never know what you're going to find cowering in that dark corner or that dark room. We, we can't hold it back. We can't be afraid of rejection. We can't be afraid of condemnation. We can't be afraid of the price of shining the light. You know, I didn't mean for this message to get so serious. It just kind of happened. This light was offered and they refused it. They chose darkness. They want to hide there. Sometimes people hide not because they enjoy what they're doing or they enjoy the darkness. They don't want to be seen. They don't want anybody else to see them. They don't want people to see how they're hurting. But when mercy is offered, if they don't accept it, then they have sealed their fate. And I, for one, am going to fight until the last breath, until the last moment to go rescue them. John 3.36, He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe in the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. I don't understand how that doesn't bother more people. I'm, I'm off notes here. I'm off road, as I call it. I don't understand how people can look and feel no compassion for the lost, how they could look at somebody caught up in the debauchery, caught up in the satanic bondage, caught up in everything that the enemy has convinced them to do, and instead of feeling compassion, uh, take on a religious persona of judgment and, and criticism. I get it. It's bothersome when they use the Lord's name in vain. It's bothersome when they take the the temple of the body and do the things that they do with it. But I remember what I was like before I got saved. I really didn't know any better. I didn't know that I wasn't in control. But if I've got a light, I'm going to shine it. Somebody says, hey, I can't see. Can you help me? I'm going to shine it. And he came the first time so that through him the world could be saved. The second time, judgment's coming with him. He came so that the lost could be saved. And until he comes again, we've got a chance. We've got a chance to save him. We've got a chance to witness to him. Because they've been condemned already by their choices. What have we got to lose? Think about that. What have you got to lose? But as many as received him to them, he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. John 1, 12 through 13. And that word condemnation simply means a judicial act of judgment. It means me saying, you're going to hell for what you're doing. That's condemnation. And he is the light of the world to guide them out of that. Until they've been condemned, there's a chance. Until the judge's gavel has come down, there's a chance. I, I meet people 
as when SRT goes out and does the things we do, I meet people. I meet people that think they know the Lord. I meet people that have had a religious experience. But they walk and talk and they act in such a way that tells me they don't know him personally and that they are not born again. And I try to be gentle. I try to share the word with them. I'm very firm in what I believe. I will not compromise the word. But I feel a sadness sometimes for them. They're caught in their bondage. They're caught in their pain. They're caught in their own darkness, and they don't even know it. They don't know what they don't know. But I can't lord that over them. I can't, you know, well, I'm so much better than they, like the Pharisees. Well, I'm, I'm glad I'm not like you. No, Mr. Pharisee, I'm glad I'm not like you. Therefore, exhorting somebody to come to the life, to the light, for life, for his life, means they have to exercise faith. Do you remember that moment? Do you remember that moment you made a decision? Do you remember the moment... Well, you just knew you needed a Savior. You were sick and tired of being sick and tired. You didn't care the cost. You didn't care what anybody thought. You needed to be saved. They need to have that moment. People call it the come-to-Jesus moment. They need it. Therefore, we should want to be seen. Jesus, the light, reveals reveals us for what we are. We're either of God or we're not. The Son of God demands that we either believe in him and come into his light or else reject him and remain in darkness. There is no neutral position. So we've all been confronted with two choices. Come into the light or stay in the darkness. You know, when I was in bondage, I thought I was a good person. I really did. I really wasn't, but I really did think so. The whole born-again thing, I no, I was a good little Catholic boy. I'd been dunked, sprinkled, slapped. You know, I'd gone through the all the rituals. That sounds like really masochistic bondage. But I didn't I didn't need that. I didn't need any of that stuff. And then that light pierced my darkness and then it touched my heart and as my eyes were opened and the scales began to fall off there's nothing more startling than to realize how wrong you were to be in a position when you realize I need a savior So this battle between light and darkness, this battle between life and death, this battle between choosing Yeshua as Messiah or serving the God of this world, it's ongoing. It hasn't stopped. It's not going to stop until the end happens. And we know that the evil is fighting it. We know that the kingdom of darkness is living up to its name. And it's going to fight everything that we do. It's going to just try to discourage you. It's going to try to hurt you. It's going to try to kill you. But don't worry. The enemy doesn't have that kind of power. Only your Heavenly Father decides when you die. But evil is doing its job. 
It's out there using the laws of the land. It's out there using persecution. It's out there using all of its evil sons and daughters. Social media, ISIS doing it. Why, why do we get so discouraged by that? It's a part of the game. It's a part of the fallen world. It's a part of the warfare we're in. But you know what? You, you win. If you can stick it out, if you can hang on, you win because you are the light of the world. Yeah, you. So let your light shine. You have a little pen. Are you a little pen light? Are you one of those big beams that that burn through paper and can blind you? If you, well, what kind of light in you? Whatever it is, let it shine. And the more that he fills you, the more that the fire comes upon you and in you, the more that the Spirit resonates from inside of you, the brighter you become. (coughs) (coughs) Sorry. (coughs) Those words hit me in the chest. You are the instrument that God has chosen. In July of 2019, to change somebody's life. Somebody at the supermarket, somebody at the gym, somebody at where you work, somebody that you're going to bump into is looking for some light in their darkness. They're looking for some hope in their hopelessness. Be the instrument that he needs you to be. Be that light of the world, that that transference of his glory, the diffusing of the light of life, which is throughout the universe. <coughs> we'll be talking about that, too, about how this whole universe was set up and we were designed to be a part of it, to to participate in his divine plan. Because you're that city on the hill. A person's lost. They're out there in the woods. And they see that light. And they know that if they come towards that light, they're going to be safe. What if you turn it out? What if you decide, you know what? I, I don't feel I don't feel very bright today. I don't feel very luminous, Richard. I'm, I'm you know, beat up. That could be their moment. That could be their last moment. You don't, you don't have time for pity. You know, you know, you just don't. His grace will take care of you. You just don't. Oh, I messed up. Ask for his forgiveness. He'll forgive you. Put it under the blood. It's gone. Be that light on the hill. Be that place that people want to come to. That they can see you from afar. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And that's what it's all about, glorifying our Father in heaven. Shelly and I talked about that today. It's not about the money. It's not about the fame. It's not about any of the things that people today make it about. It's about glorifying the Father. It's about being about his business. It's about doing what the Lord asked us to do. Whether it's up 
on a stage or in a conference room or out in the street or around a campfire or wherever it may be, always being ready to give a defense of the hope that you have. And the disciples understood that. They had already given it all up to follow him. They understood that their actions and their choices and their behavior would have a positive effect on the world around them or a negative one. So that means we must do nothing that jeopardizes our impact. We must say, do, think, act. We must not diminish the witness. We must not put a, a sheet over the light. We've we got to make sure that lens is clear. You know, I've worked on this all day and read this all day, and it's starting to hit me in different ways. Everything the enemy tries to do is to get you not to be who you are. And I don't care if you're 20 years old, 60 years old, 90. I don't care how old you are. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what anybody said about you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You were made and designed specifically to glorify your Father in heaven. You were designed and created that the emanation of the light and the power of the Holy Spirit should shine from you. Because you know something that they don't. That the Messiah in us is the hope of glory. Titus 2.14, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. We're not justified by our works, but we've got to do something with this. And our hope flows from our redemption. Now, I use the expression, I got radically saved. I mean, I got saved. I'm I was not going to shut up. You couldn't make me shut up. I wasn't going to sit down. I wasn't going to stop being who I was. Born again. Delivered. Restored. The world tried. The church tried. People tried. Still can't shut me up. Because I know what I was like and I know what he did for me and I know what it cost him. But he redeemed me from ungodliness, from worldly lust, and a life of darkness. And I've got to remember that, that that's hope for someone still out there. It's hope for some of the people we look at in media and entertainment, and and we look at their depraved, satanic lives, and our first thing is, well, they're, they're going to hell. But if the Lord puts me face to face with them, I'm going to show them his love. And if I get a shot at breaking through that darkness, I'm going to take it. Just like that sun, the sun that lights up the heavens and diffuses its light and its heat freely to every inhabitant on the earth. And, and it, it feeds the plants and it feeds and, and takes care of us. It, you can't miss it. And even when it's dark, I know that the light coming off the moon is actually the reflection of the sun. That's, that's what I want to be. I don't want to be a light under a bushel. I want to be on the, t- the tallest lampstand and that everywhere somebody can see it. Forget the, forget the, uh, the lampshade. That, no, no lampshade. We're just going to shine. Because light expands outward if it's not blocked or hindered. 
and the only one who can block or hinder it is me. You thought I was going to say the devil. No, it's me. We're the only ones who can block or hinder our lights. Oh, the enemy can try, the world can try, all those things can try, but we're the ones who decide whether we're going to leave the switch on or not. And it's not sufficient just to be lit. We must walk in a way that matches what we say. Our conduct should be a perpetual comment on the doctrine and the faith and the belief that we have. Don't tell me one thing and do another. Don't say one thing and not do it. Don't say I'm a believer and then lie or cheat or steal or deceive or do all the things that the world would have you do. Yeah, I told a similar story last week, but I found this one today in the Alps. Uh, In Switzerland, there's this village. And then there's castle that got donated to the village that they built this church inside. And it's all made out of stone. And you got to walk up these stone steps up the mountainside to get to it. And the one thing that the guy who built it specifically did not do, didn't put in a lighting system. And so... When the church bell rings, everybody comes out onto the narrow streets. They have their own little bronze lamp filled with oil and the wick, and it's lit. And they start walking towards the church. And if a traveler sees that, they're going to go, um, I, why are you carrying a lamp to church? Well, um, years ago, the duke that lived in that castle built the church and doubted it and said the only way we could use it is if we brought our own lamps. And the travelers said, well, I wouldn't that keep folks from attending the evening services? No, it's just the other way around. It's called the Church of the Lighted Lamps, and everybody that goes makes it just a little brighter. And when anybody is tempted to stay home or go somewhere else, they remember that that church needs their lamp. And if their lamp's not there, it's going to be that much less light. Your light is needed. Your light is needed now, folks. I'm I'm believing that when things are done on Saturday, people are going to leave free of the hindrances and the blockages on their light, and they're going to go shake the world that they live in. And I can't see why we wouldn't want to do it. I want to glorify the Father that loved me enough to send his son to die for me. I I didn't have a father that I felt that way about. Earthly father walked out, the man that whose name I carry that took on the responsibilities of somebody else's children and paid our bills and put us through school and did all that. While I was close to him, I didn't have that relationship with him. I couldn't. I was too much in bondage to hate and anger and all the things. And even after I got saved, we got closer. But the relationship I have with my Heavenly Father is unique. I truly love Him with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength, and everything that is within me. And I really, really, really want to glorify the world, glorify him to the world. 
And when the Father is glorified, His grace is manifested as salvation to those who don't understand that. Meaning, it's evident, it's apparent, it's plain. For you were once full of darkness, but now you have light in the Lord. So live as people of the light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It's shameful to even talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. That's why it said, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Messiah will give you light. Ephesians 5, 8 through 14. If there was ever a time in history when the things that people do in secret needed to be exposed, this is it. If there was ever a time in history when the workings of Satan and the fallen be exposed, this is it. In business, in media, in politics. This is it. And I know I know many of you are listening and going, well, I can't do that. And right there, you've hindered your light. Well, you know, I've done it before and I've failed. Right there, you've hindered your light. If it's only a stream from a pen light, it's light. It doesn't have to be halogen beams. It doesn't have to be spotlights. Whatever your light is, let it shine. Live a clean, innocent life as a child of God. And then shine like bright lights into a crooked and perverse world. Because you and I, brothers and sisters of the same Father in heaven, we're children of the light and of the day. We don't belong to the darkness and the night anymore. Let me say that again. For you and I are children of the light, and we don't belong to darkness and the night anymore. So we're going to be on guard. We're not going to be asleep like others. We're going to be alert. We're going to be clear-headed. Because at night is when people sleep and drinkers get drunk. But those of us who live in the light, we're going to be clear-headed. We're protected by the armor of faith and of love, and we're wearing our helmet of the confidence of our salvation. That armor is upon us. What would it take for those of you that are afraid, for those of you that have a hard time stepping out, what would it take for you to be able to do it? I'm not asking you to tell me. I'm asking you to go before the Lord and ask that question. Lord, what's it going to take? What do I need to be healed of? What do I need to be delivered of? What question do I need answered? What do I need to study? Is there something about whatever it is, if you really want to know, you're going to find out. So since we have this ministry, we do, Ministry of Reconciliation, and we have received mercy, which we have, he's been merciful, then we don't lose heart. 
but we have renounced the hidden things of shame. Shame. We're not walking in craftiness. We're not handling the word of God deceitfully. But by the manifestation of the truth, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Messiah, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Hear that said, that he's blinding them for seeing it. Because we don't preach ourselves, we're preaching Yeshua as Messiah, Jesus as Lord. And we're just his bondservants. And we're doing this for his sake. For the God who commanded light to shine out of the darkness has shown in our hearts and given us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus the Messiah. We have a service. Yeah, you have a ministry. Didn't you know that? I'm having cards made up for you right now. You have a ministry. Ministry of reconciliation. Ministry of transformation. Ministry of discipling. Ministry of warfare for the lost and dying. Ministry of liberty and freedom. You have ministry for people that were just like you. That are hopeless. Sitting in the darkness. Thinking that there is no light. No one cares. No one's coming. And so that's why you are called not to lose hope or to lose heart. That's why you are called right now to willingly renounce any of the hidden things that you keep secret, that keep tripping you up. You are called to walk honestly and righteously and to be a manifestation of the Lord in his light. It won't be easy, the God of this world. The prince of darkness fights against the change that the good news brings to people's hearts and minds. But who cares what he likes? Who cares what he thinks? I don't have time for him. Oh, he gets in my way or he sends one of his servants to get in my way. I'll deal with that. I don't don't have time. Nope. Going to bind you. Going to cast you. Going to put you down. Put you wherever the Lord says put you and get you out of my way. I got a job to do. I have sheep to go rescue. And you and I are going to make a commitment to have clear eyes. Because those who have worldly eyes may think that they see clearly, but they're blind. And and I think the thing that frustrates me the most, especially of those I know personally, is that they live in darkness by choice. I try to share the gospel with them. I watch the eyes glaze over. I get the flippant responses. They've learned not to argue with me. They're just not up for that challenge. But the heart of somebody who has veiled it from the gospel and is lost and is fully into the power of sin and Satan is somebody I have to fight for. It's somebody I have to go get. If they refuse to hear the gospel, then I'm going to pray. I'm going to intercede. I'm going to go before the throne room, and I'm going to say to my father, I'm praying for this person. I'm praying for them to be saved, healed, and delivered. I'm calling them into your kingdom. I'm praying against anything right now that keeps them from seeing that light and hearing what I'm saying and and desiring you. 
I've been doing that a lot lately. I've always done it, but even more so now. And I, I, I'll be honest with you, I get frustrated. I get frustrated that it doesn't happen when I think it should or I don't see the outcome of it. And that frustration coming from my earnest desire for them to be free. So, Father, I come to you now in the name of your Son, Yeshua. And I petition you, Lord, upon your sons and your daughters who are listening. Shine your glory down upon them. Shine it into their pain. Shine it into their frustrations. Shine it into those areas that they have refused to submit to you. And by your grace, by your power, by your name, by your blood, set them free. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, to shine them up, that they can reflect the glory of the Lord that is in them and coming down upon them. I know that that is your desire. I know that is what you want to do. I'm praying that they'll let you. I'm praying that the cares of this world will not strangle it out. I'm praying that they'll take their eyes and their minds off off the things of the natural and put it on the spiritual. Because there's a deep, deep darkness out there. It's covered the earth and it's covered the people. It's darker than it's ever been before. And it's going to get worse. The only time it's ever been this dark was in the days of Noah. But we have something they didn't have. We had the glory of the Lord. We have the glory of the risen Savior. We have the inf- we have the infilling of the Holy Spirit. We've got the spiritual power, the luminescence of the throne room to flow through us, to be beacons to the lost and the dying and the bound and the sick. Lord, I'm asking for miracles for your sons and your daughters. I'm asking you to show yourself mighty. To bolster their hope. To give them that testimony they need. To go out and do what you've asked them to do. Lord, I pray for this weekend. I pray for those that are traveling there that you'd protect them. I pray for those that are coming that they would receive what they need to receive and they'd hear what they need to hear. I pray that I'm able to do what you need me to do, Lord. Heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit. That this would be the beginning of something. That this would be the start of a fire. This would be the start of a, of a beam of light. that your sons and your daughters would rise up and answer the call. And then we shake this world one last time before the return of the King. And I pray this in Jesus, in Yeshua's name. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grund. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio.
Advancements in the medical field are giving nurses faster, more effective results than ever before. They should expect the same from their education, too. Capella University's game-changing FlexPath format allows you to set your own deadlines and leverage your experience to move faster through your program. So the faster you move, the more money you save. When you're ready, we'll be here. Visit capella.edu for a trial course at no cost to you. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter.